Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining me on the BIPOC Outside podcast. I'm Chris Cromwell, and today we're sitting down with Natasha Dunstan. She's an artist, designer, a muralist, and an ambassador with Coalition Snow. So let's get into it. Latasha, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm really excited to have this conversation. So can you tell us what was your introduction to snow sports? First of all, thank you for having me. I'm excited to have this conversation as well. And my first introduction to snow sports was when I moved to Denver in 2017. That was really when I realized that was a thing people did. I wasn't really tapped into that culture when I was living in Richmond. But when I started working in the outdoor industry in 2018, I met the owner of Coalition Snow, Jen Grecki. And she's the one who kind of like helped me get a foot in the door in that kind of realm. Right. Right. And that was one of my questions, how you became an ambassador for Coalition Snow. So it was through your meetings with Jen Gorecki? Yes. So essentially I met Jen before I really even had any work in the industry. It was when I was just snooping around January, 2018. And she did an interview with Amanda Goad from Bold Brew in this little gallery during a whole like separate segment of like talks that were happening outside of OR open to the public. And so I met her there and I guess I asked a good question. I don't remember what question I had asked. They were doing a live podcast recording, funny enough. And I forgot I had asked a good question, I guess. And we kind of got to talking afterwards. And then I would say by the end of that year, by the end of 2018, we were having conversations around, you know, me wanting to try it out, but not really knowing where to start. So she offered me an ambassador position from the perspective of a newbie because she feels like she felt like perspective was not. I guess, showcased enough or praised enough, where it's like, you can start something new and like be a part of this community and like learn from the veterans within it. So I would say probably like a year later from when I first met her, it was 2019, like February or January. She invited me to go to Mammoth Lakes, California. I think that's what it's called. There was this like small town conference going on what was it called don't remember the name of the conference it was a conference centered around small mountain towns and how they could like better their economy and their tourism or whatever and so she wanted me to come and do a little talk with her about being a like minority business owner and like and working in mountain towns even though I live in Denver I do work in other mountain towns around Colorado, like Breckenridge and Frisco and et cetera. So that was definitely for me, one of those moments where I was like, like imposter syndrome could have set in because at that point I was only really like a year into what I thought I was trying to do like with my business. And like, I was just like, who am I to speak on these terms? But I was like, you know what? I'm just going to trust this. I always tell myself this, just trust the timing, trust the opportunity. Jen wouldn't have asked you this if she didn't feel like your opinion was valuable. Just be quiet and go ahead and do it. So along with that conference, you got a free um, 
what you call it, pass, a free mountain pass. Now, at this point, Jen had already sent me a snowboard because this is like January, February. She had sent me a snowboard probably like last October or November, but she had only sent me the board and she told me it was up to me to get everything else understandable respect so I had like fished through Craigslist and different like used gear shops to like find everything else I need and I had only just got like I think I only at the time had like a jacket and the boots and the bindings I got all that stuff used to like go on my board I was renting everything else so I go out to this conference and I was like, all right, this is going to be my first time, like trying it out. I had not, I had yet, I hadn't done anything yet. And she was like, okay, well, we'll go in and like help you get a lesson. And then you can just ride around with some of the other girls who were like ski patrolmen and stuff like that. They had like a lot of experience. So this story is really so crazy <laughs> because, um, freaking united lost my bags on my way over there okay it was a mess and because i was flying on an employee pass because my fiance is um a captain or a pilot or whatever with that company they don't care (laughs) like i'm really sorry to say like literally i landed my ski bag was gone you know like I call it the the people at the airport. They were like, oh, call the company. They will reimburse you. Like this happens, da, 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 da. Oh, okay. I called the company. They're like, oh, you're an employee. Nah, you'll you'll be fine. (laughs) They're like, we're not sending you any vouchers. We're not... (laughs) we're not apologizing like we'll find it we'll send it to you whenever we send it to you okay cool so now I'm there with nothing and I'm just like well this sucks but it was actually so interesting how many people came together to like help me have this experience like when we got to the little condo we were staying at I went and walked around we were in June Lake area at that point I walked around and I found this like random bar I went in to like ask the bartender if there was like a gear shop that I could rent some clothes from or something like that. And he said, no, but he was like, oh, what do you need? And I was like, well, like, I don't have anything really. And he was like, well, when are you going to the mountain? And I was like, I have a lesson tomorrow at nine. And he was like, well, I can just meet you at the mountain and like, let you borrow all the things. And I was just like, okay, random stranger. <laughs> so he like gave me his number and he met me at the mountain at like June Lakes Mountain that morning. And he let me, his name was Art. I remember his name was Art and he like was the bartender at the one bar. Okay, and hooray Art at June Lake. I know, he let me borrow some like padded compression shorts so that I wouldn't fall or hurt my butt. Pants, jackets. He was like, you need a helmet. Like he, like he had opened his trunk and had like all the things in there. And I was like, people are so nice. But then I get to the counter and apparently one of the instructors had called out sick or something like that. So they didn't have enough instructors to accommodate all the people who wanted to take a lesson. So I couldn't take my lesson. My It was like a two hour lesson I had paid for, or like they helped me pay for. And so the guy was like, oh, let me call somebody and figure out what we can do. I ended up getting a free private one and a half hour lesson the next day beautiful why I literally I didn't put up a fuck I literally was just standing there like I didn't I didn't act up like literally we were not upset we were like oh okay we'll just come to another one he was like oh no no let me see what we can do for you he was like literally because like I guess for the inconvenience I didn't even have to pay that's amazing look at god so 
<laughs> I ended up having my first lesson at June Lake um, Mountain, which is a little family mountain, apparently, in, a, in comparison to like Mammoth. And it was so nice. And my instructor was like this young dude who was from Virginia, which is so funny because I, I had just recently moved from Virginia. And um, so we had a good time just talking about Virginia stuff and like him teaching me. And I don't really, I never had experience with any board sports before. Like I've never skateboarded or longboarded or surfed or anything like that. But I, I would say I'm an athletic person. So I caught on like fairly all right that during that lesson but when I came back home to Colorado there's a local mountain here Loveland their bunny hop mountain is like 30 bucks so I was going out there for the rest of that first season I think I probably went out there four or five times just to practice the basics and like get comfortable but that was my long-winded story to my introduction (laughs) no that's that's beautiful and a lot of people who are listening to us like either are brand new in board sports or haven't even tried it yet. You know, they've seen videos or they've seen people on the internet and they're like, man, that looks pretty cool. Maybe I want to try it, but where to start? Right. Right. And for me, having zero experience on a board, it is a different type of mindset and muscle memory. So I always recommend to people when they ask me, If you don't have any type of board sport experience, absolutely get a lesson. If you do have some board sport experience and you're like really good at it, maybe you can get away with not taking a lesson. But I recommend everyone to take a lesson because it's just different when you on snow. It's just it's a different mindset. But like my fiance, he took a lesson last season. He had never really snowboarded before, but he's a longboarder. Picked it up like this. Oh, yeah. He was putting on the boots standing up his first round just like completely like doing 360 jumps standing still like I'm looking at him like really really (laughs) quit showing off really but also like but I have to remember it's like he has experience on a board so like that that mindset of like having that center of gravity and like knowing how to move in that way is the same in my opinion in a lot of ways in some ways not always but in some ways So beyond a lesson, which I totally agree with, and I still take at least one lesson every year, and I've been skiing for a long, long time. But beyond taking a lesson, which I completely agree with, what other advice would you have for people who are are just starting out? I would try and find some type of like group to go with or, and like, and even if you don't go out with them, like the advice that they can give to you on like, you know, where to get certain gear, or maybe they have stuff that they're giving away, right? Like if those like little Facebook groups, um, like there's a group here in Colorado called Ski Noir, which is a group of, you know, black and brown, awesome folks who go out to, to the mountains. I've not joined them yet because I'm really a lone wolf, honestly, if I can be real honest with you, like not that I have anything against groups. I've just always been a singular person. That's just been my MO my whole life. Like I dip in and out of friend groups, but I prefer to be alone. Like I spend a lot of my time snowboarding by myself, my vibe, but yeah, like finding groups and having people who know what they're doing, I think is really, really pivotal. Like if you don't have any type of community, because this stuff is expensive too. So like I take advantage of having friends who do this sport and I take advantage of all the freebies that they be giving me, like, or even advice that they'll give me, you know, buddy passes when you first start and out is like, it's really awesome. So 
finding some type of community, which the internet makes very easy to do nowadays is I think really, really helpful. And taking advantage of secondhand stuff. I think every single thing that I have right now for my snow gear is secondhand or gifted, except for my helmet, which I bought new because apparently, I just don't wanna play no games. You don't know what the helmet's previous trauma is and you just want something fresh and sturdy to protect your brain. That's such good advice. Like safety first, you don't wanna mess around with the helmets. Yeah. Everything else though, I feel like is fine. <laughs> totally. Totally. You talked, you've talked a lot so far about community, about, you know, art from June Lakes, just stepping up and being a good person to a stranger and, and seeking out community groups on the internet and on Facebook. So have you found the community to typically be pretty welcoming? I, I think in, I think it depends, honestly, like, luckily I live in a place where access to this type of community is abundant. I already have friends, like I guess work colleagues and stuff who do these types of things that they kind of became more of my community. But I've had, you know, uncomfortable and like really crappy things that, like I said, I go out by myself quite a bit. So like by, when I've been, I've been by myself at certain mountains and end up, I've left because I was just like, you know what, if one other person, cuts in line in front of me or like does you know what I mean it's just like things like that happen but things like that happen everywhere so that's not that should never be anybody's reason to like deter from anything because that happens that can happen to you at your grocery store gas station whatever but yeah I would say that finding community has been really pleasant and again just the privilege of living in Colorado makes that easy but you know some mountains are better than others in my opinion like at least when it comes to inclusivity. So like Loveland, like I brought up before that, the one that had the cheap bunny slope, they're only an hour drive from Denver. And I would say in my experience with kind of hopping around these front range mountains, they have the most diverse demographic skiing there because of that, because they are closer to the city and because their prices are affordable. Like you can get a three pack for like a little over a hundred, sometimes $84 or something crazy like that. They do sales, which is, can barely get you one day at Vail. <laughs> and you can get three yeah. days at Loveland, you know? So like there's the accessibility with the cost and stuff like that. So going to some of the more expensive mountains, like the, the culture is just a little different. People are a little bit more uppity and just, and sometimes that vibe is like, do you really want to be around? <laughs> I don't know. That's just me. Especially when I'm, especially when they start, it starts affecting me. Like the mountain that I went to, I don't even remember which one it was at this point. Cause I never went back, but I made the mistake of going on a weekend. That was my fault. I normally am a like weekday morning person, but I made a mistake of going on a weekend. And then I had been cut in line and like rudely bumped into by like four or five different people men and women, children, when the little girl did it, I was like, well, you know what? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> the little girl was like 12 and straight slit. She swerved me so hard and unnecessarily too. It was like a lift line that had seven gates. It had like five or seven, it was a, a long lift chair. This little girl, it was like a family of three on one end. I'm on the whole other end. There's mad space. There's so she could have chose three other lanes 
And literally, as I'm about to go, like, move myself onto the chair, she comes flying past me and, like, bumps me out of the way. I bump into the pole. After I was like, all right, yeah, nope, I'm going to go ahead and head out. Because <laughs> when the children start disrespecting me, like, like that's just something else. I don't want to be around that. So, yeah, it's just, it was a mess. <laughs> it sounds like a mess. So you're saying that you, you spend a lot of your time alone. And I get that. I, I also spend a lot of time on the mountain by myself. So when you're out there, like, what's your mindset? What are you thinking about? What, what are you enjoying? Man, I'm just like grooving, listening to music, especially this most recent season where it was, I guess, my third season. I felt way more comfortable. Like the first few seasons, the first two seasons, I was going alone because I was new and I was going to the bunny slopes. I was just a bunny slope frequenter. I didn't really have a, a pass or anything like that because I didn't want to invest that money being new and not feeling comfortable enough to like take advantage. So I would just hit the bunny slope every once in a while. And I was just, I was, I had like a very athletic mentality at the beginning. So when I was out there riding, I'd be thinking about like the things I wanted to focus on, which is always like one skill at a time. It'd be like either, you know, today I'm gonna work on connecting my turns or today I'm gonna work on picking up speed or like, and so I would kind of just put my music on and get into that mindset and just practice skills. But now that I'm better and like can flow and like actually do real runs, it's really just looking cool. How cool can I look? <laughs> I just like to look cool and feel cool. Cause I've never really done any type of sport where you move fast like that. Like you're like, other than like bike riding which is another kind of like euphoric not that you feel cool, but you just get this like floaty feeling. Mm -hmm. Like I really love that feeling on a snowboard. And I never thought that I would be doing a type of sport where I move fast like that. Cause that is really scary to me. <laughs> like I would think that, I think that the skill of like learning how to control your speed and giving into speed was the hardest part for me, I think. But once I got it, I got it. But yeah, it's just like, I chase that feeling of just feeling free and just vibey and like having fun, honestly. Like I don't even really get too deep on it. I Sometimes I'll keep a little sketchbook in my jacket pocket. If it's not too cold, I'll try and like draw on the lift. <clears throat> but I have that thing where like, I have like skeletal fingers. There's zero, zero insulation, bones and skin. So when I tell you I suffer, like that's, I cannot take my gloves off. Like I suffer. My hands, like even on a day where it's like not even that cold, like I'm just one of those people where my hands are always, my, my extremities, my hands and my toes are like extremely cold all the time for like no reason, even when my, my body is not. So yeah, I can't take my glove off too much to like do the things I want to do, like take fun pictures and stuff. That's, and that's why going with friends is really fun because you can get pictures and video and stuff, but I can't do that when I'm alone because I cannot take my glove off. My hand is going to break and fall off. That's literally what it feels like. I'm with you. Gloves are the one thing I do not skimp on at all. I need some warmer ones, apparently, because I learned the hard way last season, apparently. And that and that's another thing where it's like I'm constantly learning stuff even now because I didn't even realize that, you know, I mean, I guess it makes sense. But I didn't realize that there were gloves for different types of winter, you know, because like the gloves I have 
was not working when I went out on this one day where it like started snowing and it was like really cold and kind of wet. My hands were, it felt like I was not wearing anything and I was wearing two pair of gloves. And I was like, what is going on? And my friend was like, you can't have, it was almost like a leather glove with like these cloth patches on it. And it's like the seams. It's like if you have a bunch of seams and different fabric changes, the weather just gets right through that apparently. So yeah, I was, I'm still learning. So I need to get some cold, cold weather gloves because the gloves I have right now are useless. It feels like just useless. <laughs> so what's the best day you've had on the snow so far? Oh, that's easy. I got engaged in February on the ski lift, which Yay! was pretty surreal and awesome. And he's sneezing up. Yeah, it was really, really awesome. And again, it was one of those moments where it's like, I couldn't even feel the ring going onto my hand because my hand was so cold. And then he also was like, don't drop the ring. <laughs> I don't know why he decided to do it on the lift. I mean, it was pretty epic and like, very like bold and unconventional but like my hand was freaking freezing and it was really fun to like take victory laps like freaking Mary like screaming in celebration it was so much fun we had like had a whole day skiing we were there all day and he asked like I think it was our last run pretty much we were like going up for the last run and yeah that was the what, best day. what an amazing story <laughs> I don't know how you're ever going to top that. I don't know either. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. It was really epic. It it has made, like that experience has kind of made snowboarding a little more special for me, I think. And for us, like, because it's, it marks our engagement now, I guess. And that's something, and now we can't not do, we can't like never not do snow sports <laughs> now. Like it's engraved in our lives now. <laughs> It's a part of your life forever. I love that. So you were saying that you typically have your sketchbook and, and I know when you're not on the snow, you're creating art. You're trained as both an artist and biological and in biological sciences. And, and folks have described you as always having a sketchbook with you. Okay. <laughs> yes. so, I mean, what catches your eye? What do you, what do you, what types of things do you like to represent? Well, I think the, the easy answer is plan, but as an artist, like, and that's just right now. And that's because as an artist, our subjects matters, our interests are always changing. And that's kind of the exciting part about being an artist as well. Like I'm, I'm looking forward to when my style, like my abstract phase or like, you know, things like that. Like, but right now I'm really into painting plants and nature and figures again, because I used to be really into portraiture and drawing figures and people. And that's when I dove really heavy into landscapes. But now I'm trying to bring the people back in. So like the stuff that I've been working on recently has been showing people in nature. And like the show that's at the Denver Art Museum right now is specifically showing Black people in nature and just simply being, just simply enjoying the view, just being Black and being in nature. And that is a commentary that I think a lot of Black outdoorists have in their mind. There was a painting that's actually still in my head that I was unable to finish to put in there. But this concept of like us being a part of the land and having a relationship with this land, but 
a lot of us not understanding that relationship with the land or like not realizing that that's a relationship that we innately have is kind of why I think that these paintings show it's like the representation I wish I had type deal and they show people like there's this one painting particularly of it was inspired by my cousin when we went on this really cool road trip that I planned in 2019 and he is this like six five like 250 pound like big old like Rick Ross looking dude right and when I tell you that he just seamlessly enjoyed himself like and me and my girlfriend Montrese who like live out here we we had him fly out from the Baltimore area like the DMV area because he kind of goes in between um cities and my girlfriend and my Montrese and I, we were just enjoying watching him just so effortlessly, like in his wife beaters and gold chains, just like chilling in the hot spring. And we're just like, look at this man, just be him. And we're just love it. We love it. We're here for it. So like the painting is like him. He was wearing like a bucket hat, wife beater, gold chain, some like Adidas shorts and some Jordans. And we're just like in Grand, Grand Staircase Escalante. And he's just like hands crossed you know, like resting on his belly, just like chin up, just like taking his picture, like, yeah, look where I'm at, like having such a good time. Literally, like he was just like pointing out faces and all the rock walls. And like, he's like, oh, I saw a road runner. And like, it was like, he was like listing all the animals. He's like, I want to see a road runner in real life. I want to see a scorpion. I want to see a mountain lion. Like he was like naming all of these animals. And when I tell you, we saw everyone. Wow. We saw every single one that he, that he listed. And he just kept manifesting these things. And he's a, a guy who loves to read and like absorb information. So he was actually schooling us on a lot of stuff that he had learned from just watching like planet earth and like those like nature documentaries like he loves stuff like that so he was like oh did you know like when he was telling us why he wanted to see a road runner he was like did you know they're actually way smaller than people think they are and da-da-da. I was like no way and when we actually saw it I was like whoa mind blown like you just taught me something and I'm supposed to be the one who's outdoorsy and so <laughs> that that trip really inspired me to like create this body of work really because it was just so much fun seeing him like live his best life in like a week-long van life trip and it was just the best and then I'm like addicted to doing that now it's like taking people on these like awesome experiences I mean I want my family specifically on these awesome experiences that they've never done before and just seeing how they so effortlessly and then they shocked themselves too, that that they so effort, effortlessly loved it or just like, you know, jumped right in because that's like innately where we, you know, started out. Like we know these things in our bones and it's just really, really cool to see it like unfold in, in people. I think it's really interesting too, with you saying, you know, him coming from the Baltimore area and you being the outdoorsy person in Denver, showing that like, being an urban person, being an urban body doesn't doesn't distance you or divorce you from the outdoors. Totally. No, no, no. Because like even when because like, I grew up in Baltimore City myself and even there I was looking for small pockets of nature. Like I used to like collect caterpillars and try and like help them become butterflies and like climb trees and things like that. Like I always had an adventurous spirit, but I just didn't know 
where to funnel that because I was in like this like gridlock concrete, like ratchet poor city. And it really wasn't until moving to Richmond and like enrolling into VCU and being taken on my first hiking trip, like my first like day hike in the Shenandoah Valley, I was like, whoa, that's crazy. And then it's just such a full circle moment because this year I was in Baltimore for a few weeks this summer and I was using hiking apps to find trails like in the Baltimore area. And I was just like, if I would have known, like I had so many moments where I was like, if I would have known this stuff as a child, if I would have known I could be hiking on a trail 20 minutes from my grandma's house, like what? Just so crazy. And so I'm really inspired by, you know, just showing other Black people that they can reach higher and that there is more outside of their neighborhood and their, you know, kind of tunnel vision. Because that's the type of community I grew up in. Very tunnel vision. Everybody wear the same stuff. Everybody listen to the same radio station, the same TV channels. It's like, Everybody do the same thing. There is no, oh, black people don't do that. Black people, every, that was, if you did anything outside of the little bubble that everybody in the neighborhood did, it was weird. You were, you were being white, you were doing this, doing that. It's just, no. And so I just feel like that narrative was fed, fed to me so much as a kid that my paintings, I hope will help kids like me, if they see them be like, you know what? I want to go to where those rocks look red. Where is that? Because I didn't even know that place existed when I was growing up in Baltimore. I was like, what is what? <laughs> you don't learn about that. Well, it seems like, you know, every every big city I've been to, if you dig deep and you find the person, you know, you find a person or a community that's involved, you can find those trails. You can find those nature spaces, but they're not easy to find. No, it's not. And and it's not obvious either. So like out here, I find that you'll see a lot of like commercials for outdoor recreation. It's so different. I'm constantly comparing my lifestyle in the West versus my lifestyle to the East Coast. It's just different. They don't even advertise stuff like that to people. Whereas here they advertise like oh, come to visit Utah, do this, do that, da-da-da-da-da. It's like you have some type of tourism and like commercially stuff out on the East Coast, but it's not centered around outdoor recreation. At least it wasn't when I was growing up. Granted, I've been gone for quite a long time, so it could be different now. It could be wrong, but it's just a different mindset and culture out there. Obviously, it's a lot more hustle and bustle. And it's just sad that those green spaces and wild places get overlooked. But there are people who are trying to share that stoke. Like I met this really awesome dude named Justin, who is a part of the American Hiking Society's Next Generation Trailblazers. And he has a YouTube channel and he goes on like multi-sport days and he lives like, and it was so funny. I met this guy, Justin, we are the same age. 
went to the same rival schools in the same school district our whole lives. So I was standing on the corner of his middle school waiting for the bus to go to my middle school, yet we never knew each other. And like we were, when we got to talk and we learned that we had mutual friends because friends from his middle school went to my high school, friends from my middle school went to his high school, stuff like that. It was just very, such a small world. And to see, like watch his videos and see him like, oh, I'm going to like wake up before sunset and do this bike ride in Annapolis and then go paddle boarding and then, you know, drive to Patapco State Park and do this hike with my friends and then go to the climbing gym and, you know, do all this stuff. And it's like, you're doing that in Baltimore? What? I didn't even realize. I didn't even know. So like, there's definitely people out there now who are like embracing that stoke and like trying to share the beauty that the east coast has to offer outside of all of the like urban communities so i'm i'm looking forward to like continuing to explore that as an adult so this the sharing the stoke and and you know introducing people to new ways to explore where they live was that sort of the inspiration behind illustrating how to suffer outside of the guide to the hiking and backpacking well that definitely was a an exciting like opportunity where I was like, this is something I wish I had, I would be honored to illustrate it. That's pretty much how it was. Cause they, the publishing company contacted me. And so I am very grateful to be at a point where I can pick and choose my work. So I think if it was something different, something that I was less interested in, I probably would not have done it because the work just don't translate the same. Like I'm not a machine, I'm an artist. So I can't just pump out stuff just because you want me to. Like I have to be passionate about it and interested in it and like excited about it. So luckily I only accept things I'm excited about. And I was so excited when that came across my desk because I was like, this is a clever, humorous, down-to-earth introduction to hiking and backpacking. And like, I love that. Like, I, I need this because <laughs> I'm, I'm a scaredy. I've never backpacked. I hike, but I've never backpacked because I'm scared. Just <laughs> I'm scared. There's, that's, there's no big excuse. And that's a totally I, valid thing. I just feel like I have lived a life where I tend to be, tend to fall in the smaller percent of stuff. Like if something's going to happen, it tends to happen to me. So I'm just like, I'm just not. I don't want to go out there and be the one person who has a bear be like, hey, I don't. (laughs) I don't. And then after hearing that story about that poor woman in Montana where the bear like went in her tent and mauled her. No, no. Even though they were like, that's unnormal. That's not normal. We got to we got to find it. (laughs) I don't want to be that one person to find the abnormal bear. I just can't. (laughs) It scares the crap out of me. So if I, when I do do my first trip is going to be in an area with very minimal wildlife. Like I really have to find the place that is not going to have bears or mountain lions active at the time because I just can't. (laughs) Well, and the outdoors is not a contest. And that's, I think one of the things that when people finally get out, they realize like, I I can decide what I want to do based on my own comfort level. It's not a contest, right. it's not a team sport. It's unstructured and I'm in charge. Totally. 
And I, and I believe that 100%, like even with the few little activities that I enjoy trying, I'm never trying to be the most extreme at it. Like my fiance wants to take lead climbing classes and I'm just like, mm, do I really though? Like, do I need to do that? Like I may only do it just so I can be your partner, but I don't feel the desire to like be more extreme than what I'm already doing. Like I enjoy climbing around on the rope that's already there. I enjoy doing my little bit of bouldering, only a little high up off the ground. And be like, and I just have fun doing that. And I float around in the beginner area, not really looking at forward to like training or trying to like, you know, bulk up. Like I'm just not. It's fun to do at the level you do it at. And I just feel like people shouldn't feel pressured to like become an Olympian at every hobby that you have. <laughs> totally fair. And I'm, I will never, I was never going to be on the path to the Olympics. That was never, <laughs> that was never my area. I, I make up for my lack of skill in enthusiasm. <laughs> totally. And then there, here's the thing, right? It's like finding people who will take out beginners and like have fun with beginners. Right. Cause like, I find that a lot of people get turned off to activities because they're going out with the wrong people. You're going out with people who have done this a whole lot and they probably don't have patience because I have friends who are experts and they take me, but they tend to have, they, they'd have no expectations. Like they go, they go with the mindset of like centering my experience, not centering their own experience. Like, why would you bring along a beginner to like bag peaks? Like that don't make no sense. Like, like I, I can barely bag a curb and you're trying to make me go this high. Like, you know what I mean? So like, just being sure that like, you communicate with whomever's offering to take you out being like, are you okay if we take lots of breaks? Like, like, do we have enough time to allot that like a very long break when we get up to the top or, you know, like, would you be okay if I decided to turn around? Like ask them that question. Cause some people feel inside the way if you don't put them halfway to, up the trail and then you decide you got to turn back around. Like, <laughs> you know, like that, that could lead to something awkward. So just like as a beginner, being sure that you're either going out with people on your level or if someone who is above your level is taking you, you communicate to them like, I'm gonna wanna take this very slow. I may not even wanna finish the whole thing. Like no expectations. Like we're just going to have a good old solid college try and like leave it at that, you know? So yeah. That communication is critical. So important, no matter how you dress. And I think you've got to, you've got to have confidence in yourself and show up as yourself. And, and that's really the only thing that you need to make sure of. That's where your skill needs to be and everything else can be developed. And, you know, you've described yourself as showing up as unapologetically yourself in all the spaces. So like, what does that mean to you? How do you do that? How do you encourage other people to do that? I think it's simple. I just, I don't try and conform. Like I'm going to show up with my nappy hair and my big glasses and my quirky style to everything. Like I'm not going to try and, and I'm also not going to let a lack of, you know, designer gear or whatever stop me from trying. Like I can hike in my Adidas 
whatever and like you know look like i can hike in my little shacks from <laughs> from payless or whatever you can if you have pants and a shirt now obviously it's not that black and white like you there is a level of education that goes into you know venturing outdoors like there are better decisions to be made than others obviously like when it comes to weather and like time of day like I don't know how many times I've seen like there was one time my fiance and I were were coming back from hiking a 14er getting back to the car and seeing people going up and I'm sitting here thinking like and obviously we don't know their whole plan like maybe they're not trying to make it to the top but even still like anybody hiking in you know, um, Summit County knows that at summertime, it's thunderstorms above treeline in the afternoon, and you need to be back down here by a certain time if you're not trying to get caught in them storms. So like, it's just little things like that, where it's like, you know, venturing out, venturing anywhere really requires a little bit of research. But when it comes to trying to, you know, be somebody I'm not, or like, put on a face it is what it is <laughs> I am who I am and it's not sustainable I'm not an actress I tried it in the form of bartending and waitressing look look <laughs> because no people don't talk enough about how that is a actor actress position okay and I tried it for many years and I am not good at it I must be myself okay I have to be myself so that's just the way it is and I never take it personally. If people don't want to work with me, let it be my artistic style or who I am, whatever it is. It's like, what is meant for me is meant for me. Like I grew up in a Christian household. And though I would not say that I really practice a religion now, so many of those mantras and phrases that I learned growing up still hold true today, still hold true today. You know, like what is meant for me is meant for me. Like I trust the timing of my life. Like I know that the universe does not put things in front of me or put obstacles in front of me that they don't think I can handle. All those types of things I truly do believe in. And so I just try and hold fast to that and just know that my work will attract the people they're supposed to attract. That's what another reason why I never get caught up with like social media numbers. It is what it is. <laughs> gain a thousand lose three thousand it is what it is my work is meant for who it's meant for if if them three thousand people decide to leave that's y'all loss in my eyes <laughs> not my loss you missing out on my cute, cute. <laughs> you know so I just try and like stay authentic and I've just learned that from observing other creatives that I admire like and it's funny because some of my favorite creatives don't make anything close to the work that I make, not even a little bit. Like one of them is a children's book illustrator, completely childlike, bright colors, like nothing photorealistic at all, very illustrative. The other artists I really love is they make dark, gloomy, completely abstract faces and just weird looking stuff I truly would never buy, honestly. But I love them as an artist because they are so authentic in who they are. And even with that weird, quirky style, she sells out like this because she has found her people and like people who resonate with that almost like slum, like slum, like depressive style art. Like it's very moody and very emotional. And I just love her as an artist because she is just so authentically herself she's just like I'm an artist I feel all the things this is my art it looks like I feel a lot of things <laughs> 
And, you know, other people who feel lots of things love my work. So I, I, that makes me confident to know that like, no matter what I do, I'm going to find some type of, you know, community who will be attracted to that type of work. Cause it's, I see it happen every day in other artists' lives. I love that. And I love <clears throat> that you're not caught up in, you know, statistics of social media, you know, the nonsense, the whole media cycle, but still even, you know, you're, you call yourself a beginner in the sport, but you have developed a platform and, and people are listening to you and your story is phenomenal. What would you like to say backwards to the ski industry to talk back to them, to say changes that they need to make? They need to lower their prices. <laughs> Period. Like it's just so ridiculously unaccessible who who <laughs> like i look at these prices i'm like who are these people who can afford to do this all the freaking time like i've met i've met riders who have been doing this since they were ch children two three years old is when they first put on their skis i i could never do you know how much money in their lives have gone to those mountains that's insane and it's just like I truly do not see it being more accessible to underrepresented groups until there's some type of scholarship, like a regular scholarship thingy or just like prorated prices or something, but it's just, it's trifling the amount of money that it costs to throw yourself down some snow. Oh yeah, no, the Come economic on. barriers are huge. It's, that's, that's what I would say It's just like, that would solve a lot of the other issues, honestly, when it comes to representation and all of that stuff. But at the end of the day, this is, it. I mean, straight up, it's an elitist activity, okay? It's something where it's like, not only do you need access to the space, you need the education. Cause if you ain't gonna go to a resort, you can't just, I'm gonna be back country. No, you gotta spend $600 and take a class and all, you might as well buy the damn resort ticket, you know? Like, it's just, you need all of this education if you're not trying to kill yourself. And it's just, it's not the same. It's not like, you know, skateboarding. It's like, oh, go buy this $30 skateboard. I can do tricks now. I can, it's so much, you know what I mean? I can ride anywhere I want. Like, this is such a exclusive niche, special activity. And it just doesn't feel like it'll ever really be accessible to many. And like, unless they lower the prices, honestly, but that's hard to do when, you know, capitalism is capitalism and resorts need to make money they need to, you know, make the fake snow and pay all the people and whatever, whatever. So that's, I would just say, find a way to make it more accessible for more people. Totally. Totally. Yeah. There's really no other way to say it. Really? Because I can't be like, I want to see more black and brown. How? Lower the price. <laughs> yeah. Lower the prices. Like they need, like there's, I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to brainstorm. I'm not doing that job for them. I was about to say some ideas. Uh -uh, I don't know who listening to this. They not paying me. <laughs> they not paying me. <laughs> I appreciate that. No, you should get paid for your labor all the time. <laughs> so coming on to this season, what are your plans for this season? What are you up to? So I bought my very first big girl pass. I bought the Epic pass. I am very excited to take advantage. I did buy a pass 
2019, but it wasn't really past like catered to my area, really. I have just found it through a friend, an influencer friend of mine who was like promoting her local mountain in Durango. And then I was like, let me just see what this is about. Cause she was really promoting it for kids. I don't know why I clicked on it. But I clicked on it and I found out the mountain had priced by age. It was a family mountain and they priced by age. It was Purgatory Resort, I think. They priced by age. At the time, I only had to pay $350 to get this season pass that would give me three free days. And it was like three or four mountains that were actually in my area. So I was like, $350, 12 days of skiing at multiple resorts around here. I'm going to go ahead and buy this. So I had, I, I did have done a pass before, but this time I got the Epic Pass, which is like very much catered to this area in Colorado. And I'm just excited to ride, like just because this will really be my season where it's like, I have no limits. Like with the, with the Purgatory Pass, I had limits on how much I can go out to each place. So I really couldn't rack up the days like I wanted to. But this year I really want to like, I want to try and hit 30 days. Can I do that? I you don't, do that. I'm also kind of low key lazy y'all. So like nothing sounds better to me than sitting on my couch, period. Like even better than like sitting on a beach or something. My couch, <laughs> my couch and my favorite YouTube channels can get me through a whole weekend. I don't need much. So that sometimes be my barrier because after a long day like week of work I just be wanting to sit still but when I'm not sitting still I'm going to be hitting the slopes so I'm really going to try and get like 30 days we can see if I can do that I don't know I don't know it sounds 30, ambitious <laughs> 30 days is an incredible benchmark that's saying you spent an entire month of the year on the snow I know and I just feel like I want to get a full snowboarders experience this year because especially because I don't know my fiance and I were coming towards like a chapter of our lives where we're not really sure what's next like with work and like where we want to live and stuff like that so I'm really in these next like two years or so trying to take advantage of being a Coloradan just in case I'm not anymore because we may go somewhere else but yeah I'm trying to trying to hit the mountains more often I love it I love it. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a slow, it's a slow graduate, like graduate, gradual increase of snow days for me because my very first season, I probably went out five days total. Second season, maybe like six or seven, not, not that many more. Last, last year, again, probably like seven, eight times. So I really not even know what even seven, eight times. That was Roman. It was more like four, maybe four times I went out last year, something like that. So I still really only have less than 20 days under my belt, for real. So that's why I feel a little bit intimidated by my goal, because I'm just like, I haven't even done 30 days yet. <laughs> you know, so doing 30 days in one season would be different for me. So we'll see. It's incredible. And I absolutely think that you can do it. And, and if you do manage to move on from Colorado, you can take all the things that you've learned, you know, as a Coloradan and going back to Baltimore and finding, you know, outdoor spaces in right. wherever you go next. Right. Oh, I ain't moving back to Baltimore, though. That, <laughs> those, are, those adventures will happen during visits. <laughs> 
I don't know if anyone can get pay me enough to move back to that city. But um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where we're gonna go next for real. I don't, I truly don't. Um, but that's the fun part about having my own business, being a creative, being kind of like nomadic in spirit, having a partner who's similar and has a job that allows him to choose where he wants to go. So it's kind of just like, when we decide, we'll decide. But Colorado is nice. <laughs> it's okay. This summer has been rough though. It's been very rough. With the fires, it's been very rough. Like very little time outside. It almost feels ironic to live in a place like this and not be able to take advantage of it because it's covered in smoke and you can't be outside for very long so it has been the same thing here the combination of coronavirus restrictions and wildfire smoke a lot of staying inside yeah it's quite the bummer honestly because it just feels like a waste of opportunity really because it's like if I can't be around people and like do social things I at least want to be in solitude in the wild and I can't even do that (laughs) can't even do that (laughs) well here's our fingers crossed for a better season this year and a better summer next year yes oh and that's another thing right it's like the summer's been so smoky and you we've been forced to be inside so much winter has to make up for that you know it's like if it don't snow we gonna have some pro (laughs) i hope can can the pocket this is my fist into my hands okay (laughs) If it don't snow, we're going to have problems because that that would be just our luck, right? Is to have a bad winter after having a bad summer. I don't want to jinx it, but it better snow. Just not too soon because Denver be tripping. Not too soon. <laughs> I say that and it'll snow tomorrow, low key. But not, so not too soon. Okay, I'm okay with that. It can snow here. You can you can manifest that for here for us up here in the Canadian Rockies. Oh my gosh. I'm not ready for snow quite yet not quite yet because Denver be tripping sometimes it'd be it will snow from September to May okay it'll tripping now granted from a snowboarding perspective that is awesome but the gardener in me weeps okay I weep I weep for the plants I weep for my growing season I weep for the farmers okay who like you know, plants get going in the spring and then it'll be like May 30th and there'll be a snowstorm and kill all the new girls. And I'm just like, you know what? <laughs> Can't win for losing. No, that's what happens being on the on the front range. Whether yep. you, whether you're up here in, in, you know, central Canada or if you're down in Denver, it, that's just the way <laughs> it is. It's just the way it is. And that's why I don't know if I'm going to be here too much longer, girlfriend, because... <laughs> mm. The way my warm bones just need a little bit. I don't hate winter. Do not get me wrong. I do not hate winter. But I just need a little bit more separation of the seasons for me. Just a little bit more. Just the grower in me. The gardener in me needs a little bit more grow season. Because two and a half months, barely three months, that's not it. That's not it. We would starve. If this was like pioneer days, we'd starve. Like we wouldn't starve there's ways there's ways to adapt but I'm just being a child about it now (laughs) (laughs) oh my god I was so looking forward to this conversation and you blew away all my expectations this was amazing thank you so much so for our listeners where do they find you where you know 
where is you where are they looking for your art where are they looking for your ski adventures so my website jitterbugart.com is pretty much a landing page for all of the things like links to my social media links to my youtube galleries of all of the projects i've worked on all of that stuff lives at my website i always will promote my website over my social medias because my website is my hard work it will always be there and it is a way through to my social medias if that's something you are interested in (laughs) but jitterbugart.com is where you can find all the things about me I love it. Listeners, you'll be able to find links to Jitterbug Art as well as the synopsis of this conversation in the show notes on the website. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. And Latasha, thank you so much for this brilliant conversation. You are welcome. And if I can plug one more thing, is that I have a snowboard design out right now with Coalition Snow. So if you go to coalitionsnow.com, women owned, you know, by Jen Grecki, et cetera, you can get my Desert Night design, which it's like this really beautiful blue, like kind of starry night illustration with a yucca plant pattern going around it. And it was inspired by like snowboarding in the desert. Like I really want to go to Taos and snowboard there at some point. But yeah, I got my own snowboard design and I'm so excited to ride my own board this season it should be shipping out soon amazing look for links to that on the show notes thank you so much for today awesome thank you for having me and thank you everyone for listening to another episode links on where to find latasha are available on the show notes on www.bipocoutside.com I hope you've had as much fun listening to this conversation as I did having it. And if you did, don't hesitate to smash the like button. I hope you'll join us again for another episode of BIPOC Outside.